0: Welcome in to State Your Line, a podcast for Kansas Cityans, by Kansas Cityans. We are the Ritz Brothers. Today is June 9th. and 6-9. Uh, oh, I know, that popped into my head as I was saying the date out loud. And so, here it is, 6-9 day. Uh, nice. 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 Uh, but I think where I wanted to start uh, on something a little more serious is that Patrick Mahomes is the face of the NFL and he has, I think been the center of that video that was released, um, basically challenging the NFL to admit, you know, that black lives matter and that they recognize why, you know, players are protesting Uh and the NFL finally came out and said, we got it wrong. Yeah. 2016. And I think Patrick Mahomes being in that
1: video had a big, part in that. Yeah, I think now there was a a story that came out yesterday that said basically because Mahomes was in that video, the the league MVP, the face of the NFL, the face of American sports almost, um it really forced Goodell's hand. Goodell, mm-hmm. I mean, Mahomes is he's has anyone beat him? What do you has mean? Has anything <laughs> or anyone beaten has Mahomes not beaten everything that he's ever faced yeah like there's no team that he hasn't beaten there's no record that he single season record or or like greatness that he hasn't achieved and now i almost was about to say now he's defeated racism which which he has not obviously but he's beaten goodell yeah. And like the NFL. They it, do not
0: like to talk about this. They don't want do to talk. They don't want to talk about this. And they're very squirmish anytime they have to. But I feel like. And, and they still did it in a Friday news dump. Mm-hmm. But. Mahomes, was it Friday at like 4 like 6 o'clock? Yeah. Yeah. But Mahomes being not only in the video, but a main part of the video, he's the first person to say Black Lives Matter in the video. And I think at that moment, Goodell was like, okay. I guess we've got to do something. Yeah. Not that it was just Patrick Mahomes. I mean, look at everybody else in the video. Mm-hmm. But again, to have uh, the Super Bowl MVP in this was a huge deal.
1: Yeah. I And I think, uh, yeah, I just think that he's he's going to have a, a powerful voice going forward. And no matter what, um, if Patrick Mahomes gets behind something, it, it's, it's going to be successful. And that is awesome. Like having him on our team and like, Mm -hmm. I'm really, I'm glad that him and Tyron Matthew were in that video and standing up for what they believed in. And sometimes I have this view of, of Mahomes that he's just like incredibly good at his job as a quarterback. And, and then just kind of, you know, just kind of go, just kind of lets life happen to him. Like doesn't, you know, he's uber competitive and he's, um, incredibly smart and unbelievably talented, but he just kind of seems to, he seems to be a little happy go lucky. And I, I know too much about him because of, of social media and everything <laughs> like that. And like watching Britney's, uh Instagram videos and yeah. stuff, but he seems like a pretty relaxed, just let life kind of come at me type of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so to see him do something proactive and be a part of this, uh, that video, that, was obviously really powerful and really forced the NFL's hand. um, I I think that's awesome. And I think it shows that, you know, he's probably maturing. He's probably um, growing and, and learning and, and wanting to be more involved. And I think those are good things from a, from a quarterback. And, uh, you know, I want him on my team. I I, I love him. Yeah,
0: I know. Yeah. I love him. And uh, just, you know, that the fact that that's our guy and it's, it's great to see, him be the face of the NFL. And like, as he now is taking over and being face of the NFL, uh, he's chosen to use it in a positive way already, Mm -hmm. which is just, that's
1: my quarterback. Yeah. It was, uh, (laughs) it was nice too. And, and chiefs fans won't want to talk about this either, but like he got to avoid the whole white house visit thing this year too. (laughs) Like he didn't because COVID happened right after Um, they didn't have to come to that, like standoff between, uh, you know, players who, who think it's awesome to go to the white house because mm-hmm. they won a national championship. And then the other players who think it's wrong to do that pack got to <laughs> avoid right that now. as the face of the <laughs> NFL. And so, uh, that's kind of a, I think that's good that he didn't Stay have to go down. Yeah. didn't have to deal with the controversy on either side of that. Mm-hmm. Um, of, like, people yelling at him for not going, and then people yelling at him for going. Mm-hmm. Like, that would have happened on Twitter, which is, yeah. you know, the worst place to have a, an actual meaningful <laughs> social discussion about that. But it would have happened on Twitter mm-hmm. for sure.
0: Yeah. But there's our guy. He's the face of the NFL. And uh, when he speaks, Goodell uh, listens.
2: We um, should.
1: Is, uh, pretty now, cool. now, Mahomes needs to release a video. Talking about why isn't Mitchell Schwartz a Pro Bowler and why yeah. <laughs> hasn't he ever been a Pro Bowler, uh, and we can get some change going there yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all right. So, uh, let's what go. other rules should should Mahomes change with his with his power? Um, I don't know. I Sky was, judge. Yeah. Uh, maybe he could uh, give a talk
0: about you know why Seventy First Street should eliminate like lights on a highway or Seventy One Highway should oh, okay. eliminate stoplights and maybe. That would help, and maybe he could lead our change of um, Westport Road, Southwest Trafficway intersection. Mm. Yeah. No, 43rd Street. 43rd Street, West Westport Road, Road,
1: Southwest Trafficway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, help with that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Okay. Well, it, it, we need to get him out uh, yeah. there.
0: And maybe now he needs to speak up more on the overtime rule and how dumb it is that both teams don't yes. have the ball and just. Uh, maybe that would get changed. Yeah,
1: some common sense changes. The Sky Judge I, is
0: By the no-brainer. way, I predicted that one big time that the pass interference rule was going to be dumb and that it would flop, and mm-hmm. it, they're already done with that. Mm-hmm. And I've said, you know, everyone, yes, it makes more sense. The Saints were maybe screwed more uh, because that they didn't apply the right rules and the Chiefs played by the right rules that year and missed out on not getting the ball in overtime. But I was like, people would rather see both offenses have on the field yes and i was right okay i just like to point that out okay
1: we'll get we'll get mahomes to force Cadell's hand yeah and a few other things
0: all right uh let's jump into some openings from this week um we have long lost cold brew serving cold brew like basically they're catering it a lot yeah of the, a lot of it right yeah cold
1: brew aka liquid cocaine if you're yes. kevin ritz
0: it just winds me up. I'm not a big caffeine guy, so to have a cold brew, shoo, yeah, take off.
1: We need to start giving you cold brew before these shows. <laughs> Actually, we we don't because then yeah, we, we just did talk before an interview time. once. Which one? Oh, Bo, Bo
0: Nelson. Yeah, yeah, I had a cold brew during
1: the interview, and I was shaking by the end of it. At thou mayest <laughs> exactly. Um, so, Long Lost Cold Brew is a um, yeah, essentially it's a home delivery product. Where you can subscribe and get cold brew delivered to uh, your house. And there's like three different options, like beginner, basically beginner, intermediate, advanced. um, Like how much caffeine there is? No, of how much you want it delivered. (laughs) Oh, okay. So like they come in, I think, like three liter um, cardboard boxes with a, a rubber bladder in there. Like a box of wine, you could slap the bag cold yeah. brew. Okay, ooh, Talk we about should do that.
0: Fired up before an episode for Arrowhead. Oh, <laughs> a morning tailgate, just slap the bag of some cold cold brew. brew. Yeah,
1: that would get you going. Mm-hmm. Um, but essentially, Long Lost Cold Brew is um, a home delivery cold brew started here in Kansas City. It's it's two local people, um, and it's going to be mostly home delivery. Uh, that'll kind of start as its pilot, and then it will essentially get an idea of like where its customers are and then it can kind of do some, get into retail that way. So mm-hmm. I think they are a few like really small grocers, um, like really tiny markets. Um, but not in like big grocery stores yet, but, uh, maybe eventually. So it's already steeped cold brew that, uh, is ready to drink, pour over ice or you don't need ice with cold brew. Um, and uh, comes in a big three liter box, box of cold brew. So, uh, mm-hmm. Long Lost Cold Brew is the name there.
0: All right. Um, also, we have a, a reopening
1: of uh, Boulevard Drive In.
0: Yes. I, I've never been to a drive in movie in Ooh, my life.
1: I went in uh, probably sophomore year of high school. Okay. Um, saw Batman Begins. Good flick. And House of Wax, that Paris Hilton heinous movie, Mm -hmm. uh, made out with a girl on the roof of her parent's suburban. Wow, to Batman Begins.
0: (laughs) what a romantic movie mm-hmm. uh, was it like right after the scene where
1: uh, it was, Batman's man's parents died or like- it was right when <laughs> Rachel, Rachel!
2: Um,
1: and uh, but that was the only time I've ever been to a drive-in movie
0: well one of the owners says in this um, article about it and I quote we try to focus on family so clean your act up stop making out with chicks on the hoods of cars and focus on, on the, the family top of the top of the, car. the hood would have been sweet. Well, that's not what uh, Brian Neal is looking for. He's looking for a focus on family. So the
1: owner of Boulevard drive in theater, the theater has been around since 1950. Mm-hmm. The owner has worked there since 1954. He's 92 years old. The own, imagine like the, the, the movies that he's seen. Yeah. Since 1954, since he's worked there. But I didn't know this about Boulevard Drive-In, which is here in Kansas City and KCK. um, First drive-in theater in the United States with a 4K projection. Oh, okay. So yeah, they're... High quality shit. And so they're opening back up. Um, They understand, you know, obviously they're a drive-in theater. They've been through, you know, a lot. They've been through the popularity of multiplexes. Um, they've been through, obviously, what the movie theaters industry is going through now with in-home streaming. Um, but they're still kicking. And uh, I'm, I am I want to go see a movie here. Yeah. And because there's no movies coming out right now, I
0: think they are at an advantage because you can't go to a movie theater right now. But there's no new movies coming either. So they're going with the classics, some cult-following movies. I just saw Goonies, Big Lebowski. Mm. Uh, I think I said... I don't know which Batman, but they said Batman, so Batman's yeah. gonna be playing. Okay, <laughs> look out. Um,
1: have you uh, have you ever watched The Big Lebowski with someone for their first time watching it?
0: If you would like to do that, you could watch it with me. Oh for wow, my first time. Okay, I've never seen it. Oof. Yeah, that and Top Gun are probably my most embarrassing right now. That are on my list of just I'm just haven't seen them.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. It's it's a weird movie, but it's awesome. So we'll watch it together and yeah. and yeah. Um but anyways, I, I wanna go see a movie here, especially with the four K. Um that
2: sounds yeah. awesome. It sounds I'd sweet. That
1: I wish I had a truck though. When's it opening? Um I, I wanna go. Mm, I
0: don't have a date in here, but um uh, opening this weekend and the article was written on June fourth. So, so last it- weekend? It's open. It's open. It's Boom. open. That's why it's called openings.
1: Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see. It says Facebook post about it. Yeah. Hopefully they don't have any pictures. I know. From, I, I, hopefully they don't have any pictures from <laughs> 2005, July 4th, 2005. <laughs> oh, the 4th of July. No, just Batman. kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, they're open. They're officially open. Okay. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Jumanji. The next level. And Monty Python the Holy Grail are playing this weekend. All right, sweet. Um, All right, so that
0: is our openings for the week. Uh, Next, we'll move into a little what we try this week. And I'm going first because I've been telling anybody who will listen to me about these burritos to go. Champion burrito to go in the Northland. It was the best burrito I've ever had. (laughs) I, this burrito was literally like someone had been inside my mind all mm-hmm. these years, knowing exactly what my taste buds liked. Mm-hmm. And then that's the burrito. It's I like got.
1: an NEM, Enneagram test for yeah. your taste buds. Like this burrito place, you can tell a lot about yourself based off of
0: how, which burrito you choose. Mm-hmm. And they're numbered. And I got the, uh, Number eight, I got the uh, fried potatoes and grilled jalapenos burrito special. Oh, unbelievable! So grilled chicken with grilled um, like peppers and onions, grilled jalapenos, fried potatoes, all in this burrito, cheese, uh, mm. rice, and uh, a chipotle sauce. I had added in there too. My goodness, okay. it was unbelievable. Piping hot, coming out, wrapped in foil. And then you could tell the tortilla was pressed on a hot surface. Get a uh, little Taco Bell. Uh,
1: like the Taco Bell <laughs> um, pr- yeah. uh,
0: press. And then it comes with chips and salsa. And my God, it was legit. Seriously, I-, I would try so many more things on their menu. It was just phenomenal. How was the side effects? Side effects? Minimal. Okay. Min- well, hold on now. I had a haircut after, (laughs) and I was like, okay, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it through the haircut, but also I didn't want to poop in the salon. Can't do that. Because it's like a pretty small salon with a single shooter bathroom. Everyone would know it was me. Impossible. And especially at the salon, I go, like it's a salon, so it's mostly all women. So definitely everyone would have known it was me and I so I just respect my hairdresser too much to do that. Mm-hmm. But I, so I was able to hold it till I got home. Okay. So I mean I, I had a, a
1: good 2 hours um okay. that I that it held. Okay. So yeah. yeah. Cuz I'm starting to realize as I get older Chipotle the the restaurant it side effects yeah include <laughs> many of the following. Um all right that's solid. I've got to get I'll out there. Get- go there. Oh my god, it's so good. All right, so um what did I try this week? I said I was going to try a new um a new restaurant. I really wanted to try a new restaurant that I hadn't had yet that was a uh, black-owned um because I posted a screenshot of a bunch of uh, black-owned restaurants. I didn't get to one last week. I promise I'll do that this week. Um so what I tried this week was um Redoing a kitchen. <laughs> so, we painted the kitchen this week and then put on the backsplash. And, um, you know, if you want to um, learn a lot about yourself, invite your mother in law over to help you paint the kitchen. Uh-huh. <laughs> I've never painted a kitchen before. Yeah. I've never painted a room before. I've always rented. Um, this is the first house that I've owned. I've never been that type of person who like rented and was like, Oh yeah, I'll repaint it back and paint my room, you know? But there are people who are like that. Yeah, that's weird. And, uh, but so I've never painted a room before and, um, it's harder than I thought. And I get really frustrated. I always do like one too many strokes Mm -hmm. or rolls. And I, like the last one ends up taking paint off as opposed to putting paint on. And then I have to go back over it and, um, it's really frustrating. It's very difficult. the The backsplash was a lot more fun because that was my dad and I, and um, he has this really badass tile saw. Uh-huh. That's like a wet saw, you know. Like,
0: I, like dad, this is your early Father's Day gift, Danny, telling the world about your wet saw. Yes, that yeah, you're so proud of actually. Yeah, yeah,
1: you're not getting a Father's Day gift. This story is yeah. your Father's Day gift. But uh, this saw is awesome, and. um and it's really precise. And so we uh, did a nice backsplash in the kitchen. It looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. So I'm really proud of that. So backsplash, A, painting, I'll give myself a B minus. Yeah. Passing grade, but I'm not good at it. Um, so don't ask me. And this isn't even an excuse to, so like, don't ask me to help paint you paint. Yeah. I'm, I'm honestly not good at it. So <laughs> um, got to figure uh, that out.
0: And, I, I yeah, I you did post that link of uh, – uh, Black owned restaurants that I, I want to try one too. And I think it's funny that you didn't try one this week and I'm not judging you for not trying one, but then you did the widest thing ever and put some subway tiles up in your kitchen. Mm-hmm. I got the Joanna Gaines <laughs> yeah. kitchen.
1: Strong. yeah, strong yes. Joanna Gaines yes. vibes in this kitchen.
0: So well, yeah, we do need to try one of those, uh, and I'm excited to to get one of those this week. Um, all right, so that's what we tried this week. Um next we have a uh, awesome interview. Incredible. Stellar. Uh we got to sit down with Bob Kendrick. He is the president of the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum and just
1: really listen to him tell stories.
0: Yeah. It's phenomenal.
1: Kevin, you he Kevin said this afterwards but like it's like Bob gets interviewed for a living. <laughs> he had already done like two shows before this and obviously mm-hmm. right now is is Um, You know, people want to hear from him Mm -hmm. um, as a storyteller and president of the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum and baseball's reaction to everything going on has been relatively poor and delayed. Um, And then on top of the other shit baseball can't figure out, which is infuriating. Um, But uh, but yeah, just listening to him tell stories about like legends of the game, um, but also give his unique perspective on on African-Americans and their relationship with baseball. Uh, This was an interview that we've been wanting to do for a really long time. Mm -hmm. And we just, you know, I just kind of forgot about it. But now I think this is the perfect time to talk to Bob Kendrick.
0: Yeah. And this interview is brought to you by Patrick Carter, Farmers Insurance. If you have to buy insurance, why not buy it from a locally owned agency and with an agent that has lived their entire life in Kansas City? Who knows about the community you live in? Instead of buying from a website that supports outside communities, why not buy from an agent that puts money back into your local community? Your money stays in Kansas City when you buy from Patrick Carter of Farmers Insurance. Let Patrick uh, of Farmers Insurance put his vast experience to work for you. He's been an agent in Kansas City since 2003. He knows the city inside and out. Um, he has an office in Johnson County. He lives in Brookside, so he knows both sides of the state lines. So no matter where you live, Patrick Carter can help go to his website, caseyfarmersagent.com and click on contact me and Patrick will help you out to make a smart decision with your insurance. Not only does he know a thing or two about insurance, he knows a thing or two about Kansas city so call his number, 913-248-8861. It's 913-248-TONY-G-TIM-GRUNHARD-8861. Or visit kcfarmersagent.com today. All right, today we are joined by a special guest, uh, Bob Kendrick. He is the president of the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum here in Kansas City. And um, Bob, where where I want to start is... Uh, On a little bit of a serious note, which Danny and I aren't known for, but uh, with the state of everything going on in the country with the death of George Floyd and and the protests that have followed, uh, just wanted your thoughts on how you think baseball is responding. I feel like, you know, baseball seemed to have been in a unique opportunity being the sport that broke the color barrier uh, in sports. But then we saw it took nine days for them to issue a statement and, I think they were the last pro league to issue a statement. So just was curious, your thoughts on how how baseball is handling everything going on in the country right now.
2: Well, you know, and the timing of it was such, you know, they're in the midst of trying to figure out how they're going to get the game back going again. And so I can certainly understand it. Uh, but I do appreciate the fact that they, along with the other major sports leagues, have all kind of issued their statements con- condemning, social injustice in our in our society and also understanding that it is still taking place which is just as important as as condemning it you have to understand that it is happening and, and and so but i i think baseball and you touched on it from a historical perspective it is that bridge that started the civil rights movement in this country there's no question that jackie robinson's breaking of the color barrier wasn't just a part of the civil rights movement it was the beginning of the civil rights movement in this country. And as you all know, Jackie Robinson is handpicked from the great Kansas City monarchs to be the chosen one. So the Negro Leagues play a great role in helping usher in the civil rights movement in this country. And so it is great. And and I think it resonates even more because the NBA and NFL are predominantly African-American-based workforce when you start to look at its players, but not Major League Baseball. And in many ways, Major League Baseball's voice becomes even more important because this cannot be perceived as an African-American issue. This is an American issue. And so you need to have a multitude of voices chiming in on on this issue if we want to really see an, an effective effort to make change. And the fact that Major League Baseball is pre- predominantly white, and of course, you've got also Hispanic players. And, and in my conversation with Joel Goldberg earlier, we talked about how we were moved by Joey Votto's op-ed piece that he wrote for the Cincinnati Enquirer. Well, Joey Votto is Canadian. Uh-huh. That voice means a lot. Yeah, and, and, and you guys have seen this groundswell, man. This is not something that is just happening here in the US. You're yeah. seeing massive crowds around the world echoing and, and channeling their voices to this particular cause. And, and I do think this is a watershed moment in this country's history. And, and we'll look back. You know, we'll look back and it'll be generations after after me that will look back and perhaps this will be that moment in time where we start to usher in the kind of change that we all want to see. Fundamentally, mm-hmm. we just wanna see people for who they are, not yeah. what color they are. And, and you know, it saddens me that it may have taken George Floyd's life in order to create that awakening, but hopefully his life lost won't be in vain that there will be this progression and there will be this change that will emanate in his spirit, you know, and others who have gone through this. And so for a lot of people, this was indeed awakening, but you're right, baseball, just like the other major sports have, and just like other aspects of business industry who have obviously come out and condemned this kind of of hate, uh, we all play a role. But the platform Mm -hmm. that athletes have is something that people do look up to. And and I was very fortunate last week to sit down with six young African-American baseball players to talk about baseball and and race in America. And and so there was this kind of town hall meeting that we had. And it's that rare time where I'm on the other side of the microphone like you guys are. Mm -hmm. And I'm asking the questions instead of being asked the questions. And we had Lorenzo Cain. We mm-hmm. had Josh Bell from the Pittsburgh Pirates. We, we had Delano DeShields now with the Cleveland Indians. Uh, Michael, uh, Michael Gibbons from the Baltimore Orioles. Dwight Smith from the Baltimore Orioles. And Taylor Hearn from the Texas Rangers uh, set up by MLB Network Radio. And it was a very candid, very heartfelt conversation. But like you guys, you guys are young guys. This is new for you all, you know, to see. I mean, and it's not that we didn't already understand that there was racism in our society. But it's really the first time that you all have been called into action with something that was so vile and and so despicable. And it's protest. And as Mm -hmm. I said with the young guys, hey man, protest and activism will wear you out. It, it is draining. It is emotional. We go through a gamut of emotions because you hurt, you're angered, and yet you cannot allow yourself to be tired. We can't get tired. And it is going to make us tired, but we can't get tired, you know, because this is too it's too important. And yeah. so now we got to rechannel that energy so that we can get the outcome that we all hope to see.
1: You mentioned the the baseball players that you sat down with for that for the town hall and 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 then you mentioned this moment in history possibly being a, a point of change. Um what Major League Baseball has seen is a, a decrease in the amount of African American players over the last 20, 30 years really peaking in the 80s. Um why why do you think that it has decreased? Is it just because on the opposite end of it, basketball has gotten more popular, or, or is 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 baseball um, not as accessible um, to to African American communities, or, or why have you seen um, that that decrease in, in the amount of players uh, in MLB?
2: No, you just answered it. Really, everything you said is, is is applicable here. You know, it's certain. There's no question that the NBA and the NFL have out marketed us. You know, and I say us because I'm part of the baseball industry in, in my own way, even though it's from a historical perspective. And they have done such a great job of marketing their product. As a matter of fact, I've always said that Major League Baseball could have taken a page from the Negro Leagues because the Negro Leagues understood the star power. They understood star power. And, mm-hmm. and they were never afraid to put their stars out in front, where baseball has been this very tradition-rich sport from a Major League level that really did not like to do that. You know, nobody's okay, bigger it. than the team. And I understand it's a team game and a team concept. But I can tell you this, when the Kansas City Monarchs came into town, it was Satchel Page and the Kansas City Monarchs, you know. And, and yeah, no, it, it was Oscar Charleston and the Indianapolis ABCs and, and Josh Gibson and the Homestead Graves. And, and so it always understood this, this concept of marketing stars because people like to see stars. They, they do and baseball i tell people all the time the thing you love about baseball is its tradition the thing that has hurt major league baseball is this tradition you know it has to have it's got to start to create the energy and excitement around the people who make this game and those are the players and, and i don't care what you do there are always going to be those who do their job better than others And so it's okay to market your stars and get them out in the community so people can see them and touch them and and want to emulate and want to be there to watch them do their thing. But then you touched on something that I think is tremendously important. And in my conversation earlier also with Joe Posnanski, I was on with Dayton Moore, our tremendous GM over at the Kansas City Royals, and, and we talked about the economic gap that has been created with our sport. When our sport became so organized, it became tremendously expensive. Yeah, the, the days of Sandlot baseball guys, and it, it hurts me to say it, but the days of Sandlot baseball are a thing of yesteryear. Yeah, you hmm. don't see neighborhood kids getting together and just going and play. So now it's organized. And when it became organized, it became extraordinarily expensive the league fees, the travel teams, you know, the uniforms. The
1: bats, getting those expensive
2: bats. Absolutely. And then even more so now to be able to be a part of that kind of baseball experience, now you got to hire hitting coaches and pitching coaches, the specialization that has gone into this. I know people, man, who are paying damn near college tuition for their kids to play summer baseball. And, and so, yeah, we've priced out a group in, in the urban core that just cannot afford to do that. And, and so we've got some issues that we've got to resolve. But it also warms my heart every day when I go out the back of this building and see the Kansas City Urban Youth Baseball Academy right behind us, this brilliant idea that is essentially was a concept that Dayton Moore had, at least from the standpoint of wanting it to be a historic aging divide. There were already er, 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 other urban youth academies across the country. We were number seven. Dallas has since built number eight. But you think about this. We're the only one that has a Negro Leagues baseball museum essentially attached to it. And, And that's really important from the standpoint that if you don't see yourself in a sport, is you don't get that same aspiration. Yeah, yeah. And, and so you think about this, when the Negro Leagues were at, at their height, it didn't matter how much money Satchel Page made. It didn't matter how much money Buck O'Neill made. They lived in the same neighborhood that I lived in. And I had this entire league of people who looked just like me that I wanted to aspire to be like. But I didn't just want to be like them as athletes. I saw them every day conducting themselves as men. So Mm -hmm. yes, I wanted to emulate them both from what I saw on the field, but also it gave me an understanding of what the life of the athlete was like. And I wanted to be just like that. You know, that played a great role as well. And so, yeah, we've got some work to do. You know, you talked about the staggering numbers and the decline from his apex in the 70s and 80s to where we are now. But I'm still very hopeful and very optimistic that we'll see those numbers start to move the other way. Because as we see the minor leagues more populated with African-American talent, you can almost start to project when these guys will make their way to the major leagues, and that needle will start to move. So it requires something that we don't have a whole lot of in our society, patience. Yeah, we are a microwave society, man. We want to see everything happen instantaneous. And baseball, is, there's nothing instantaneous about the great game of baseball. It is a process. And it does take time. But I do believe it's going to happen.
1: Well. I think the Kansas city Royals are a good fan base to test that patience and to test that hope because we're the fan base that waits 29 years to go back to the playoffs. And we're the fan base who no one gets more excited about hopeful minor leaguers than, than the Kansas city Royals fan base. So hopefully Dayton Moore can, can funnel some of that, that hope and energy into his club. Because I think, I think our, our fan base has, has proven to be uh, to be patient and a hopeful fan base.
2: So funny, um, both Dayton and I, both Dayton and I were. I was talking about something, you know, having Lorenzo Cain mm-hmm. on that, that town hall, and looking back at 2015 when he scores from first base on a single by Eric Hosmer. Mm-hmm. You tell me what was more exciting about that? What was no. more exciting than that? You know yeah. it, that you know it still gives me goosebumps today. You know, how excited we all were, you know, there in Toronto. And and I still remember this play like it was yesterday. And that was Negro Leagues baseball. And and I think that's what baseball is sorely missing across the board. It's that kind of athleticism that a guy scores from first base on a single, man. And and to see Lorenzo slide across home plate, that pop-up slide, and just the sheer joy. Because there's no sport that keeps the kid in you like our sport does. And and to see him pop up and to see how excited that dugout was, and, you know, like I said, it still gives me goosebumps. And, and of course, we go on to win the World Series, man. It it was special. And and so baseball needs that kind of excitement. You know, we don't have to put a watch on the game. If you give me something I want to watch, Yeah, if you give me something I want to watch, you don't got to put a clock on the game. I don't care how yeah. long I stay there. If I'm entertained, yeah. But the game today, and, and I'm old school. I'll be you know, Here comes, that, Here comes
1: the grumpy old
0: man routine yeah, complaining yeah, yeah, about yeah, kids yeah. these <laughs> days. <laughs> yeah. I'm predicting you know, something one, about strikeouts. I knew, day,
2: or... <laughs> yeah, I knew one day I'd get there. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, the home run and strikeout thing doesn't excite me. It mm-hmm. just doesn't. You know, put the ball in play, Make something happen. You know, those are the things that will keep you on the edge of your seat. you know, when we were, even in 2014, even in 2014, when we caught fire, when that miraculous playoff game, I still don't know how Salvi got that pitch a of foot off the plate and gets it down the third base line, and, and we get in and, and, but you know, that year we took off because of what? We were stealing bases. We were doing all the little things. And it permeated throughout the team, so not only were our thoroughbreds stealing bases, but hell, Billy Butler was stealing bases. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah,
0: and then Billy Butler doing his best Gerard Dyson impression after he did exactly. steal the base. And, Another and, awesome and, player that yeah, we had.
2: I mean, it, it was it was special to see. And and, and I, I can tell you this, and and they don't run anymore in the game, and I understand the analytics and all the sabermetric stuff that says it's not good. But, man, it is not any more exciting when a guy is going to steal a base. And everybody in the stadium knows he's going to steal that base. Now, you don't know where pitch he's going to steal it. And everybody's on the edge of their seat. Yeah. It's just yeah. different than waiting, sit there, and see and it, hoping, hoping whether or not a guy hit a home run or not.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was fun, that 14 and 15 run with oh, Gore man. and Dyson. When they'd get on, because we had never experienced playoff baseball, so I didn't know how much every pitch meant. So yes. when those guys were on right. base and you know they were going to steal, exactly, you don't need a clock. Everything was just so exciting, every hey, single pitch.
2: I didn't get any sleep in 14 or 15. <laughs> Hell, I'm still tired. From- yeah. <laughs>
1: I was watching the, I was rewatching the 2015 series in the Lorenzo Cain steal, and uh, not only the steal, but that's one of my favorite calls. I thought Joe Buck did a great job when when Cain crosses plate, and Joe Buck just goes, "He can fly," and uh, <laughs> it's just like it still gives me chills talking about it. So I'm glad, I'm glad I'm not the only one. Uh, Bob, you mentioned watching some of these guys as or you said, you know, you saw them, they were professional athletes. You wanted to be like them. Uh, did you play baseball at any professional level? And then, and then how did you find yourself – how did you find yourself um, at the Negro Leagues Museum with Buck O'Neill? When did that um, relationship start?
2: You know, as a kid growing up in rural Georgia, Crawfordville, Georgia, a uh, town of all of about 500, man. So we are, my high school was too small to field a baseball team. But like every kid, you I, I love every sport, and I've been mm-hmm. a baseball fan since I can remember, probably five years old. Taught myself how to read a box score in the old Atlanta Journal Constitution, uh, and fell in love with baseball at an early age. Played a lot of sandlot baseball, and, and when we played sandlot baseball, everybody already knew that I was Henry Aaron. Nobody else could be Henry Aaron. I'm Henry Aaron, and, and, and so you know Henry Aaron is my all-time favorite baseball player and my all time favorite tour of this great museum, where we've had the opportunity to tour a lot of legendary individuals. Nobody will ever top, for me, touring the great Henry Aaron through this museum because he was my childhood idol. And and so I played high school basketball and, and somehow or another Park College, now Park University, found me in Crawfordville, Georgia Offered me a basketball scholarship. Yeah. I left Crawfordville in 1980 to come to the Midwest to Parkville, Missouri, and, and I've been in the Kansas City area ever since. And, and so uh, this is home now. You know, I've lived in this part of the country longer than I did my my roots growing up in Georgia because I left Georgia when I was 18 years old and never went back home. And, and so this is home for me now. And and then I started as a volunteer for the museum way back in 1993. So this is 27 years of affiliation with this great museum. And I was working for the Kansas City Star at that time in what the Star called its Promotions Group, which functioned as its in-house advertising agency. And so I was senior copywriter in the Star's Promotions Group in 1993 when I drew the assignment of promoting the museum's first ever traveling exhibition. Guys, the exhibit is still touring the country today. It's called Discover Greatness. It's on display right now at the Yogi Berra Museum was playing to rave reviews before Corona shut down everything. As a matter of fact, the Yogi Berra Museum was so excited about it that they asked if they could have the exhibit for a full year, which we had granted before Corona closed everything back in March. And, And so anyway, we debuted that exhibit Here in the storefront space uh, of Bayou, where Bayou on the Vine restaurant uh, was, they just recently closed, couldn't survive the whole Corona pandemic shutdown, sad to say, but it debuted in that storefront space back in 1993. I put the promotional campaign together that drew about 10,000 people in the month of August to 18th and Vine. And so you have to remember at that time, there was nothing else at 18th and Vine except the historic Lincoln building. That was the only functioning building here at 18th and Byte. And so the success of that campaign, I think it reinforced to those who were involved with the museum that yes, we do have something special. And then that also prompted them to ask me if I would serve on the board of directors of the museum, which I humbly accepted that opportunity to do so. But that's when I met Buck for the first time back in 1993. And guys, I considered myself to be a baseball fan. Yeah, I'm a baseball fan, and he was this entire chapter of baseball and American history that I really did not know a whole lot about. Yeah, I knew the name Satchel Paige and Cool Papa Bell and Josh Gibson. Those names kind of transitioned mainstreamly, but I had no idea about the breadth, the depth, the scope, the magnitude that this history represented both on and off the field. And and I'm not lying, I became almost engrossed in it. I wanted to learn as much as I could learn, and I didn't want to keep it to myself. I wanted everybody else to feel the same way I felt about this amazing story. And, and, And of course, I tell people all the time, when you meet Buck, and I didn't meet Buck until 1993, it's hard to imagine that within our social circles that we never came across one another until 1993. And as I so oftentimes say, where once you're bitten by the buck bug, man, it's a wrap. You just wanted to be on Buck's team. The charisma, the passion, the energy that he had for wanting to build this museum so that they wouldn't be forgotten. Yeah, and that others could learn their story and use it as a tool of hope and inspiration, which is why I think the museum will play such a pertinent role in the things that we're seeing happen in our society. After all, this museum is a museum about social injustice. And it is a museum about the civil rights movement. And so, and and the life lessons that stem from the Negro Leagues are so very transcending today. But I just fell in love with this man. And then I started meeting the players. And, And you know, the thing that struck me every single player that I ever met, not one of them harbored any bitterness toward anything that may have transpired in their lives as they in their quest to play baseball in this country. And and quite frankly, guys, had they been bitter, we all would have said you had every right to be bitter, but they would never allow themselves to harbor hate against those who may have attempted to perpetrate things against them. And I just found this to be an amazing and endearing quality. And I think I fell in love with them even more, you know, just because of the mindset and attitude that they had. But you also have to understand that you couldn't convince them that they weren't playing the best baseball that was being played in this country. Yeah, everybody Mm -hmm. just assumed that it was, you know, because it was happening in the major leagues, that it was better. They didn't, however. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and and so they wanted to prove to the world that they could play this game as well as anyone.
0: Yeah. And you made the point about how your museum is a, a museum of history. And I remember one of the coolest things I thought about it when I was walking through at the beginning of this year uh, was just how, you know, every big time uh, thing that or timestamp that you call out is a moment of American history. Yes. And then you kind of work in, yeah. like, how where the Negro Leagues uh, fit into that. Was it that is. an yeah. intentional thing? And why did you guys decide to go that route?
2: Very much intentional. So, you, and you touched on it. You come here and you not only witness the rise and subsequent fall of the Negro Leagues, but you literally witness the social rise of America simultaneously. And that was really important for us so that we could help those who come here understand the importance of the Negro Leagues both on and off the field and so Mm -hmm. yeah you're right we tell that story on a timeline and everything as I like to say above the timeline is baseball related Mm -hmm. but what you caught was the fact that inside the timeline and below it were all historical reflections of things that were happening to African Americans at that particular juncture in our country's history so really for our guests it becomes an all-encompassing history lesson. And that mm-hmm. was really important to us. So when you walk away from this museum experience, you're going to walk away learning something about the Negro Leagues that you likely did not know before you came here uh, to experience it.
0: Yeah, I mean, you you learn so much just about the Negro Leagues and then just about America's history too, because as you're going through that timeline and there's so much... Um, you have so many newspaper clippings and stories from the time. It is jarring to see like headlines from, you know, when the Negro Leagues were going on and think this was just widely published and accepted these, you know, really terrible racist headlines. uh, That you have in there. And so it is quite, quite an experience that you leave just like, Oh my goodness. You know, you see this.
2: We wanted, wanted, and particularly from a young audience, We Mm -hmm. wanted them to understand what those times were like. Mm -hmm. But by the same token, you see the passion that these athletes had for the game of baseball that would allow them to endure the social adversity to play the game that they love. But then what ultimately happens, we find out, is that their passion for the game would not only change our game, it helped change our country for the better. And, and, and it's all woven inside this wonderful story uh, of these, what I like to call America's unsung baseball heroes. And, and they didn't know they were making history. They ain't kidding about making history. They just wanted to play ball. Yeah. And, and that's what moved them and motivated them. But they did make history. And, and, and we're proud to bring that history to the forefront today.
1: Is uh, So obviously, um, Buck O'Neill had a huge role in the in the museum, but um I wanna talk about some some other like Negro Leagues legends. Yeah, um, was was Satchel Page as dominant as as we hear and, and is there like a your favorite satchel page stat or your favorite satchel page story that really describes we, just we how dominant he was?
2: We could have done the entire show on Satchel <laughs> <laughs> Because I don't know if there's any more lore or legend that surrounds any athlete than Satchel Paige and yeah. Josh Gibson. I mean, you Josh know, Gibson, they, yeah. they're, they're almost mythical-like in, in what they brought to the table in this sport. And, and for me, when I look at Satchel Paige, I think that Satchel Paige is, without question, the greatest pitcher this game has ever seen. Because Satchel had everything that you needed. Yeah, you know, we're not talking about – he had the great stuff. Yeah, he had, he had dominating stuff. You know, in his prime, they clocked his fastball at 105 miles per hour.
1: See, that's like so, Paul Bunyan. Like, that's so, like legend. So, that's the stuff of and, legends. And,
2: and, 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 and what what really made Sasso so special, and you both know, 105 is pretty doggone special. <laughs> but what really made Satchel so special was 105 with pinpoint control. Guys, he put it exactly where he wanted to put it. And, man, I'm not just talking about throwing strikes. Uh-uh. The catcher set the target. He hit the target. He didn't miss. And, see, he didn't warm up in the bullpen like most pitchers do throwing to the catcher across home plate. Not Satchel. Satchel would have the catcher sit down a stick of foil chewing gum wrapper. This is honest God's truth. The catcher would put the chewing gum wrapper on top of home plate. And wherever the catcher moved the chewing gum wrapper, Satchel right over the top of that chewing gum wrapper. Yeah, his control was amazing. And, And so, yeah, he had the dominating fastball, but this great control is what got you. You know, and then he had a, as Buck would say, he had a great changeup. Show me curveball, but a great changeup. So you can already imagine, if you can drop it in there at 105 and you can put it where you want to, and then you've got a great changeup on top of it, you're almost unhittable. Yeah, And, and that was Satchel. But when we look at the persona that he had, yeah, so he had the great stuff but he also had the charisma, he could sell it. Yeah, and then the longevity. We don't really know to this day how old the man really was (laughs) by the time he (laughs) You know, baseball says he was 42, but he might have been 52 by the time he gets to Cleveland in 1948, and he goes six and one his rookie year with the Cleveland Indians at age 42 or 52. And so it does make you wonder if, what if the doors had opened sooner? I believe the Cy Young Award could have very easily been the Satchel Page Award. He, he was that good, man. And, and, and if he was doing his thing today in this era of social media, Satchel Page would be the biggest star on the face of the planet, just like he was then. You know, he, he would ride in the towns and the entire town was shut down to watch the old man do his thing because the Mm -hmm. reputation had preceded him. So everybody wanted to see Satchel Page, And Buck always believed that had Satchel been the first to break the color barrier, that he would not have gone through the kind of hatred that Jackie Robinson went through because white Mm -hmm. America had already, they knew who Satchel Page was. They had gone to cheer Satchel Page. Now, I'm not saying he wouldn't have experienced racism, but mm-hmm. I don't think, Buck didn't believe that he would experience the same level of vitriol, the same level of hate that Jackie witnessed when he got there. Because while Jackie had been a celebrated collegian, he was a relative unknown in, in the world of baseball, but not Satchel Page.
0: Yeah, and I thought I read at the museum about Satchel Page. He had like this whole just different mentality too like if another team upset him or if he wanted to just say I think I'm going to strike out the next nine guys he could just do it basically yeah. on command
2: yeah right and I can tell you now that nobody <laughs> believed in Satchel Page's ability more than Satchel Page. and he was <laughs> not shy to tell you about right, it yeah yeah Satchel believed that he was the greatest pitcher in the world and the greatest fisherman in the world and he might just have been both <laughs>
1: So uh the other the other legend you mentioned Josh Gibson what 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 you're telling me he was hitting 550
2: foot bombs or something like that
1: 600 600,
2: 600. Yeah you know and this was before we even knew anything about exit velocity and launch angle and I'm just <laughs> stating the terms I still don't know anything about them, but I know the terms but I don't know Josh I don't know Josh's exit velocity and I don't know the launch angle I just know they went a long way. And, mm-hmm. and the, the man was so strong. And, and I tell people all the time when you look at the photos of him, and fellas, he swung a 40 ounce, 41 inch fat man. And when you look at the pictures, he's not choking up, he's got it gripped down below the knob, massive hands, big, powerful forearms, big, powerful thighs. And great eyes. And that to me is what separates Gibson from most power hitters. Most power hitters are free swingers. They were gonna strike out in that era almost 100 times a year. Today, almost 200 times a season, which is just crazy. That's, again, ain't gonna get me started. You know, there's an old <laughs> school mentality coming out. Yeah. I don't know how the Saber can back up that that's okay to strike out 200 times. But anyway, but Gibson. <laughs> Might strike out 25 times in a season with mm-hmm. that prodigious power. You see, like Tony
1: Gwynn.
2: We had Tony Gwynn kinds of, of back control with great power. And as Buck O'Neill would say, he had the eyes of Ted Williams and the power of Babe Ruth. So, because lost in Gibson's tremendous power was the fact that Gibson wasn't a good hitter. He was a great hitter, lifetime batting average of 354. and in head-to-head competition in countless exhibition games against major leaguers, hit over 420. And what makes it even more astounding is that he was doing this as a catcher. And you mm-hmm. guys know, catchers don't do that. You get one or the other, perhaps, power or average, but rarely do you get the combination of the two because the position's just so physically demanding. It beats your body up. And Josh wasn't a good catcher. He was a great catcher. Rifle arm. He's throwing guys out from the crouch. Back in that era, Buck said he had complete control of his pitching staff, so he called a great game and was a good running catcher. He's gonna steal your 20-25 bases to go with that big bat of his. And I tell people, when you look at the physique of Josh Gibson, and for those, if you want to think about a contemporary, Bo Jackson. Think Bo Jackson as a catcher. That's Josh Gibson. Yeah, you and what, what was even more
0: <laughs> impressive is that he was a good catcher with that catcher's gear that they had to exactly. use. Another thing in the museum, seeing the uniforms I loved and then seeing the old catcher's gear. The the baseball bat has not changed much, really. But the catcher's gear, it's hilarious to see what the, catchers yeah. were wearing.
2: And, and, and thank <laughs> goodness, because I got to know guys who caught. And, and this was the same for in, in the major leagues as well. You know, the, the, the inferior nature of the gear of mm-hmm. that era. And, and I got to know a great catcher named Ted Double Duty Ratcliffe. And, 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 <laughs> and, well, that's one of my cool.
1: One of my questions is is just is just what are your favorite nicknames from from the so Negro League? Yeah,
2: okay. that's one of. Them. And, and Double Duty got his nickname when the great sports writer Damon Runyon saw Duty catch the first game, uh, and he caught a satchel page shutout in the first game of a doubleheader. Took off the catcher's gear, took the mound, and threw a shutout in the second game of the doubleheader. Said he was worth the price of two admissions. He was double-duty Ratcliffe until the day he died at age 103 in 2005 in Chicago. Well, I got to know Duty extremely well. And guys, I'm not lying. When you look at his fingers, they were mangled. Yeah, because, you know, Satchel's dropping that thing in there at 105, man. You know, and, and so the misnomer is that guys throw harder than the guys of yesteryear. They really don't. Now, you, uh, granted, you may have more guys who are now capable of throwing, but they don't throw any harder. Nobody threw any harder than Smokey Joe Williams or Bullet Joe Rogan or Satchel Page. Yeah, no, no, no. And so these guys could all get it up there in a hurry. And, and that inferior gear, man, it was not protecting very much back there. It was better than having nothing, but not a whole lot better. <laughs> As a matter of fact, Double Duty says, When he would catch Satchel, he would go to the butcher and get a steak to put in his glove, to pad (laughs) his glove. And he says, by the end of the game, that steak was hamburger.
1: (laughs) Ground up. Ground up. Feed it up, man. (laughs) So the Negro Leagues, the plan this year was to celebrate the 100th anniversary of the founding of Negro Leagues baseball. Uh, Do you still have a plan? to do something depending on this season and, and then um, what else should we be looking out for? Are, are you opening up the museum soon? Um, how can people learn more about this history um, and celebrate with you all in, in the hundred year anniversary?
2: Well, this year was so important to the museum. We have been planning for over a year, you know, this centennial celebration and we felt like we had a great plan in place and, This was going to be a seminal moment for the museum. It was going to be a, it was going to create a platform to a level that this organization has never seen before. And and to me, I think it was the most important undertaking of the museum since Buck O'Neill's death in 2006. And we knew Buck, when Buck passed away, it was going to be monumental. And it was. But this was going to provide a platform that was going to help usher the museum into perpetuity. It was going Mm -hmm. to give us, I thought, the wherewithal to go out and raise the funds that would set the museum up for long-term sustainability. And we get off to such a great start. You know, we go back, February 13th, the Negro Leagues were formed here in Kansas City in a meeting that took place at the Paseo YMCA, just right around the corner from where the museum operates. That building, that historic landmark, is going to become the Buck O'Neill Education and Research Center. And so, February 13th of this year, we go back into the very building that this story was was birthed. And, And I've got the Commissioner of Major League Baseball, Rob Manfred, in attendance. We've got the Chief Operating Officer of Major League Baseball Players Association, Xavier James, with us. The Honorable Mayor of Kansas City, Quentin Lucas, is in attendance. John Sherman, the great new owner of the Kansas City Royals is there with us. Frank White, former Royals legend and now Jackson County executive is in attendance. Mike Kehoe, who is the Lieutenant Governor of the great state of Missouri, he's there with us. So we've got an all-star lineup of distinguished guests there to help us commemorate the 100th anniversary of the birth of the Negro Leagues, which we certainly believe is one of the most significant occurrences, not in baseball history, but in American history. Well, Major League Baseball and the Players Association announced a joint $1 million gift in support of the museum and our year long centennial celebration. We roll out all of our plans for the year, which included a national day of recognition where all 30 major league teams were going to honor the Negro Leagues unprecedented Uh, in a single day of of celebration. And to be honest, and everybody knows I get excited about a check, but I was just as excited about this national day of recognition because of the platform that it was going to create for the museum. This was going to be a watershed moment for Negro Leagues history and for the Negro Leagues Museum to see all 30 major league teams wearing our centennial patch on their shoulder and essentially tipping their cap to the Negro Leagues. And anybody who's involved in our sport knows that there's nothing more honorable you can do in our game than to tip your cap. Uh-huh. And to see players and fans acknowledge the Negro Leagues in a symbolic gesture that was going to resonate, I think, throughout the baseball world. And so we're off to a flying start. And man, less than a month later, everything comes to a screeching halt. And and it does, it knocks the wind out of your sails. And I'd be lying if I said I wasn't disappointed about the way things have ultimately transpired, but corona affected virtually every aspect of life, not only in this country, but around the world. So we're not the only ones that are hurting, but because there was so much riding on this year, I think it hurts a little bit more. But as I've said on a number of occasions, you cannot be a steward of this story and wallow in self-pity. You can't mm-hmm. do it. And, and so it provides that additional fuel to, again, to use a bad baseball analogy, to get back in the box, box, dust yourself off and get back up and try and salvage as much of this year as we possibly can. But we've already started with plan B and we're gonna roll the bulk of this celebration into 2021. You hope that the economy will recover and that we can give this celebration the the full glory that it deserves. It should not be a watered down celebration. Mm -hmm. That National Day of Recognition should not take place in an empty stadium. And so we're gonna move most of the stuff over to 2021 and, and just continue to build from there. And even though we won't have that milestone 100th anniversary, we're already playing in Negro Leagues 101. And and of course for anybody who went to college, those 101 classes were the only ones that I passed. It's <laughs> <laughs> got a
0: good
1: ring to it. <laughs> <laughs> and what about the what about the museum, Bob? Do you think uh, you you all be opening your doors pretty yeah, soon? No,
2: we're we're planning to open uh, June sixteenth and, and we are finalizing all of our protocols now and we'll have on the website what's going to be required, as you can well imagine. uh, We're gonna have to make some adjustments in our operating hours, and we're gonna have to break things into sessions. Uh, But we're anticipating each session will have, you know, capacity of about 150 people per session. And those sessions will last about three, four hours. Then we'll have to get people out of the building, clean up, and then open Mm -hmm. up a second session. But, you know, when people come back to see the museum, The Black Baseball in Living Color exhibit is still on display, which features the works, remarkable works of an artist named Greg Kreinler. That exhibit opened February 13th and was supposed to close May 31st, but we've been able to extend it to mid-July. So those who are interested in coming to see that will get that opportunity. We'll also open a brand new exhibition called Barrier Breakers. And the Barrier Breakers exhibit, guys, will chronicle all of the players who broke their respective major league team color barrier from Jackie Mm. Robinson in 1947 through Elijah Pumpsy Green becoming the last guy to break the color barrier with the Boston Red Sox 12 years later in 1959. And that is astounding that it took that long before every major league team had at least one black baseball player. And see, the thing that is... It happens in our society. We're good at this. We remember the first guy. Mm -hmm. We never remember the second. So we know Jackie's story, but very few folks know Larry Doby would integrate the American League just weeks after Jackie. It's only been over the last decade that people have started to pay proper respect to Larry Doby's pioneering role. Well, the other guys are just footnotes in baseball and American history. And we just felt compelled that they deserve to be more than just a footnote because it didn't get any easier for Pumpsy Green with the Boston Mm -hmm. Red Sox in 1959 than it did for Jackie Robinson when Robinson joined Brooklyn in 1947. And so if we don't tell these stories, who will? And and I think, again, it, it speaks to the important role that this museum plays in bringing these kinds of stories to light. And so we're installing that exhibit as we speak and that, too, will be open for people to learn about all of those guys who overcame tremendous adversity to pursue their their, their pathway into Major League mm-hmm. Baseball.
0: All right. Well, thank you, Bob, uh, so much for your time. Again, I, I would encourage everyone in Kansas City to try to go out uh, and get to the museum. It's, it's an incredible experience, uh, you know, from the start with that sweet video with James Earl Jones, who does the voiceover, (laughs) like, that just gives you chills, kick things off, and it's an awesome experience. So thank you so much, Bob, for your time today.
2: Danny, Kevin, man, it's been absolutely my pleasure. Thank you both for having me on the show, and you know I look forward to seeing you guys here at the museum in the not-so-distant future. All
0: right, thanks again to Bob for joining us. Uh, Man, that was a ton of fun, and just to, to get to hear him tell a couple of stories which uh, he can tell hundreds of them about the Negro Leagues. It was just cool to, to hear that firsthand uh, and, and in the conversation with Bob.
1: Yeah, I was uh, like leading in, in. yeah. I knew that – I knew he was going to have those Satchel page <laughs> stories about like throwing 105 and stuff like that. And I'm not saying I don't believe Bob, but like I think science has proven that it's like physically impossible, but it's still – awesome to hear those stories. Yeah. And, um, uh, yeah, I, I need to go down there because I've heard when you, when you, sometimes you can run into to Bob while he's mm-hmm. down there at the museum and he'll like kind of lead you on a tour and I'm, I'm going to like try to time it with his, yeah. So that he can, he can walk <laughs> me through the museum because, and just the way he talks about Buck O'Neill too. We didn't get to like a ton of Buck O'Neill stories because I legit thought, he was just going to talk for 30 minutes if I had asked him, like, <laughs> what's your favorite Buck O'Neill story? Um, but the way he talks about Buck O'Neill as just like a mentor and how Buck O'Neill talked about the game, it just mm-hmm. sounds like he got to spend so much time with Buck O'Neill, like talking baseball, which is like an amazing thing to to have the ability to do, like mm-hmm. spending hundreds of hours talking baseball with Buck O'Neill. Like, yeah that's gotta be awesome. That's so pretty
0: special. And yeah, definitely, you know, June 16th, he was saying they're opening back up, go down there. If you haven't, you can spend as much or as little time as you want there, uh, depending on your schedule. I mean, cause there's just so much to read about, um, that you can, you know, stay there for three or four hours. If, if like that's your jam, if it's like, you want to watch, you know, mm-hmm. this awesome introductory video and then you know, peruse through and, and pick out and look at the things you love or see the old uniforms, you can stop in. So it's an awesome experience. And truly, even if you're not a baseball fan, it's just an incredible part of a American history. The way that they, they are able to tell that story uh, is really cool. Uh, so thanks again to Bob for joining us. That was a ton of fun. Uh, next, uh where do we want to go next? We want to go with a little Brittany Lynn. Yeah. Brittany Lynn Post of the Week. It's been a while. This is a, a more of a serious topic, so I'm not going to work out during it. Uh, You sure? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, man, uh, yeah, I don't feel like working out right now. And she wasn't doing a workout when she did this either. So. Oh, it was a notes app. Yeah, notes app post. Notes app post. Uh, and Brittany Lynn, she said, I am not black, and I know I will never understand how y'all feel. But I will fight for you, I will speak on my platform for you, and I will help push this change in the world for you. The fact that some people even have to protest that someone's life matters is what's wrong with this country. People getting hate for speaking on the situation, people unfollowing them, people who are speaking on the problem, that's what's wrong. So before you say one negative word to me, think about if you are the problem, then shove your comment Up your
1: ass and Mm. get off my page.
0: Get them, Brittany. Love it. Get them, Brittany.
1: Uh, That's one of my favorite insults out there. Uh, Get off my page. Yeah. Because it means (laughs) like, look, I have a page. You don't. Mm -hmm. Get off my page. Yeah.
0: I like anything. Shove it up your ass. Take that comment and shove it up your ass. You can always go. It's a Uh go-to. It might
1: be on like, yeah, one one of the most- uh, um, you can use that insult in any situation. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I appreciate Brittany using it here. And, um, yeah, I, I, I I love that. She's, uh, she's taking a stance and, and, you know, she's got the Texas twang with y'all and everything else that she's got going in that post, Mm -hmm. but shove it up your ass and get off my page. It's a hell, hell of a statement, hell
0: of a statement, Brittany, way to go, way to stand up for what's right. Uh, you know, and, and, Put, put your stance out there mm-hmm. and then tell everybody who doesn't like it, shove it up their ass. Love I love it. that. I love <laughs> that move. Um,
1: all right. So that's our Brittany Lynn post of the week. We got to get back to the workout. Brittany yeah, Lynn we post do. Of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, because those are those are good watching yeah. you work yeah. up a sweat.
0: Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, let's see. Next up, uh, we have our personal pine tars this week. Mm. Uh, man, still, still plenty of room to get pissed off by little things in this world Mm -hmm. and and that's what we will continue to do so um i'm gonna go with my personal pine tar is um selling things on marketplace okay it's not so much the selling things it's facebook marketplace facebook marketplace Mm -hmm. it's the people who back out Mm. or can't like like the Facebook marketplace, you try to follow some rules and live in a society and try to give dibs to the first person who contacts you, mm-hmm. and then they completely ghost you, mm-hmm. and then now the other six people who maybe said they're interested aren't anymore because you took too long. nope, and now that you got someone who's ghosted you who no longer wants it
1: and and what am, now I can't sell it. it no it sucks here's where you went wrong. It's not the first person who contacts you. It's the first person who says they want it. Mm-hmm. So you should, I be replying to multiple people uh-huh. at once. Yep. Okay. So, so I replied to like 10 people saying, cause there was like 10 people in a row that said, is this still available? Like that's the, that's the, like the auto response, yeah. you know, say yes, 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 yes. Until one of them says, okay. And commits to it. Then, then you can, then you can stop, start ignoring the other people. Okay. But, not you can't st- stop ignoring the other people. It is still available until someone says, Yes, I want it. Yeah. So just okay. because they contacted you first, because people have like automatic replies on shit. Mm-hmm. Like I swear. And um and so the uh it's gotta be yeah, yeah. And then I so finally you did it wrong.
0: I finally did sell my knee scooter. Um and this Your is niece's a, scooter? No, my knee scooter, my knee scooter. And this is where it really gets complicated is that it's on my girlfriend's phone messaging the stranger to meet me at Chicken and Pickle. This person's like from a small town up north and doesn't know Kansas City. Mm-hmm. So trying, she also didn't know what how to use a Google, I guess. Mm-hmm. She was like, what's Chicken and Pickle's address? Mm. I don't know where that is. So we had to send her the address, confirmed a meeting time, confirmed it again in the morning. And then as I'm like getting to Chicken and Pickle, the woman sends the message, I'm lost. Mm-hmm. Just over Facebook Messenger to a stranger. What do we do with that? Mm-hmm. What do we do with... I, I can't help you there. The fact that you You are can't, lost, lady. <laughs> the fact that you can't get somewhere in 2020 without getting lost, that's, that's bad. Just use your phone. Yeah. It'll get you there. Maybe Trust she
1: it. got lost and uh, broke her ankle, and that's why she needs the knee scooter. Uh, well, she was... She didn't need it yet. She was she was still walking. Anticipating so. that she was going to need it? Surgery, yeah. Uh-huh,
0: yeah. That's probably, you know, I don't want to get into any HIPAA violations, though. You mm, know? Probably so, not. Yeah.
1: You do work for Cerner.
0: Yeah. Slippery slope. Uh, uh,
1: my personal pine tar is... So, so yeah, you just got to correct the way you deal with the Facebook exactly, marketplace. Exactly. Um, my personal pine tar is the freaking rabbits (laughs) freaking
0: rabbits
1: keep eating my vegetable garden so starting to uh, started a vegetable garden you know a little covid new house hobby i have a yard for the first time in a long time um and these freaking rabbits um are eating my lettuce and my spinach you tried
0: peeing around the border oh no i haven't okay i just Um, made that up but Okay. Sounds like Ma- it would yeah, work. sounds like it would work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm a big my, fan of peeing outside. So
1: my neighbor behind me, she um, wouldn't want any harm to come to the rabbit. So uh, you know, I just I guess I'll just be a bitch and grow rabbit food. I mean, now at this point, <laughs> I'm just growing food for the rabbits. Yeah. Uh, so um, so that yeah. is my personal point there. Or Also, I can't spell museum,
2: mm-hmm. uh, and so
1: when we were interviewing uh, Bob Kendrick. I was writing all these questions about the museum. I probably spelled it 10 different ways.
0: Google spreadsheets doesn't have spell check. Yeah, I did too.
1: I probably spelled museum 10 different ways uh, while writing questions. So Mm -hmm. um, that was going to be one of my questions for for Bob is if um, he has trouble spelling museum as much as I do. But yeah, um, it sounds simple. It's not. So that is my personal
0: pintar. I know I'm trying to look at your, your spelling. Well, right. I, I eventually fixed them all, but it was oh, like wow. I was
1: I thought it was M U E S A M M How is it spelled? M U S E U M. Yes. M-U-S-E-U-M, I think. I
0: don't know. There's an E, there's a there's a U. There's an E and a U that get weird. Yeah. Exactly. And it's not
1: museum. It could I mean there's a thousand M U S I A M, sure. Why not? Yeah. Spell it that way. I'd take it. All right, Uh,
0: let's get a little mixed plate action going uh, to wrap things up today. Before we get into that, just want to remind you guys we have till June 18th to vote for us for the best local podcast in Kansas City, in Kansas City Magazine. So go to Kansas City Magazine, Best Of. We're in, uh, I think, politics and news and media, and then you'll find Best Local Podcast, uh, and be sure to vote for us. Alrighty. Mixed plate of our favorite streets in Mm -hmm. Kansas City. Yep. I bet you can't guess whose idea this one was. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, And it is episode 58, so that means that I get to go first. Okay. Uh, I'm not worried. Really, my list was just like, okay, I I think I know what Danny's going to pick. Do I want it, or am I going to let him have it? I don't know yet, but favorite streets in kansas city correct um and i feel like with the first overall pick i've got to do it Uh, and i'm going with ward parkway solid pick i mean that that's that's number one material it's a beautiful street to drive down the fountains the parkway uh how fast you can drive down it um love it ward parkway uh especially right now potholes not an issue.
1: Yeah, it was like Mario Kart last spring. Mm-hmm. Not um, this year. Not this year is bad, but yeah, uh, Ward Parkway is gr- great. That's my meet number one there. Uh, my favorite thing about driving on Ward Parkway is like you're part of the your pack. You mm-hmm. know, because the lights are synced. Yeah, and like you get part of your pack if you're. It's like rush hour. What do you mean they're synced? So once I wonder you, if not everybody knows this. Once you're, if you make one, it's supposed to like let you make the rest.
0: Mm-hmm. So like make one green light.
1: Yeah, then should. then it should. And there are, and you can get, but if you're going the speed limit and if everything's moving together, you sh- theoretically should be able to make them all. Um, so being part of your little pack and trying to get to the front of it, mm-hmm. because it's three lanes as so you can zig in and out, trying to make it to the front of your pack is like one of my favorite things to do. Yeah. Uh, where I do that even better is it meat number yeah, one? I know it. Southwest traffic way, yeah. baby. Mm-hmm. Southwest traffic way from, uh, basically mill street or the, the gun Fresh right there to, um, to the highway is like my favorite street to drive. I, I drove it every day for three years, so I got good at it, but you can really go as fast as you want mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Ward parkway. It's a little more like residential. This is less residential. It's three lanes. So you can zig in and out, the lights are synced, so theoretically you should be able to make all the lights. And um, it's my favorite street to drive.
0: All right, um, I'm gonna go with my meat number two here. Um, I mean, I'm gonna go with State Line Road. Okay, State Line Road. It's, uh, I mean, a Kansas Cityan. Like I'm doing the the meme of, uh, and basically it's like a Kansas Cityan driving down State Line with an out of towner, and it's the kid like try it, like trying really hard not to say something. It's like, don't say there's Missouri and there's Kansas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it though. But you have to say it. If you have an out of town in your car, like, Hey, we're on Salem road. So actually that's Missouri over there. And that's Kansas right over there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, I love doing that. Plus mm-hmm. it's
1: the namesake of our podcast. Yes, exactly. State your line. Get it. All right. Meet number two. I'm going with a street that in high school, we used to call just a good guy.
2: <laughs> what?
1: somerset Somerset street that cuts from like 79th and state line uh-huh. to 83rd and mission that mm-hmm. cuts through just a good guy
0: cuts all the way to 91st and null yeah yeah good
1: guy. our parents live on 84th so normally i stop there but yeah if you're going take it all the way to 91st and null very few lights yeah a nice cruising 30 30 mile an hour speed limit there are cops so you got to be a little careful mm-hmm. because it's Heavily residential, and it's in Perfect Village. But um, I don't know why, but me and me and a high school buddy, we'd just be like, "What? Uh, where are you at? I'm on Somerset. Just a good guy. <laughs> just to let you cut through, it let you nice cut, cut through through, through um, from north to south and east to west, and uh, it's kind of just cruise. Not a yeah, lot of lights.
0: Good guy. Uh, all right. So my side number one here, um, I. I think it's retired but I still call the road this and that's Coal Mine Road. Mm. Coal old Coal Mine Road. Uh you, it's called Hardesty now. It's called Hardesty now, uh but it was it's the cut through from what's the street Swope Blue River Park Maybe Blue River Parkway, whatever sw- Swope turn I can't remember the name of that. Volker, it goes Volker to Blue little blue parkway. I can't remember. Anyways, then you take a left and you're on this road to the stadium. Blue Parkway. Blue, blue. Parkway. You take a left on Hardesty now. It was called Coal Mine Road. Mm-hmm. And it's this big, you know, four-lane road that nobody's on. Mm-hmm. You can just go as fast as you want to get to the stadium. They then, do have motorcycle street racing illegal back yeah. mm-hmm. there. And it's a great cut through. And then there's a one-way bridge at the end. So you have to, you know, kind of sneak up to that bridge, make sure no one else is coming because there's only room for one car to get under the bridge, and then bam, dumps you out gate five, and you're ready to roll. Mm. Ready to roll. It, yeah,
1: that's a great cut through. Mine. Um, all time. Shh, don't tell anyone else though. Yeah, it's a secret cut through. Don't tell anyone else. Um, all right, that's fantastic. My side number one, right? That's what we're on. Mm-hmm. Um, side number one, I'm going with. <clears throat> Mm. I'm all about diagonal streets. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I'm going with Southwest Boulevard. Okay. One, it's the namesake of our great beer mm-hmm. boulevard. Um, and the boulevard has a has a lot of good Mexican restaurants on it. Our 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 Manny's included. Yeah. It also is a nice cut through from north or from uh south to north. Mm-hmm. Um again, you go from Kansas to Missouri. Um and it is like four lanes wide and there's never traffic on it. Yeah. And so you at rainbow, it gets a little hairy, like the rainbow light. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a long wait. But uh, other than that, there's no lights where you don't have like the right away. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can just kind of cruise. Um, it's wide open. Love Southwest Boulevard. Yeah.
0: Um, all right, let's see. I'm gonna go uh, my meat or my side number two here. Uh, I'm gonna go with the uh, stretch of I-70 that gives you a view of Truman Sports Complex. Mm. Another nice, beautiful little, you know, because I always, I always salute as I as I drive by there and say, "Hey, what's up, Patrick Mahomes?" Yeah, Royals, and the, and 2015. You see the 2015 World Champions right there. Yeah. Maybe there'll be a. You know, Super Bowl Live champion sign we can see from mm. there. From I do the there, sign
1: eventually. of the cross because that's my church.
0: <laughs> exactly. Beautiful stretch of road right there. Give it the old blessing as you as you go by.
1: All right. Love it. I mean, I hate I-70 eastbound. <laughs> it's probably my least favorite stretch of road between <laughs> Kansas City and Columbia. But
0: uh, that little, that little yeah, area. Little area right there.
1: All right. My meat number, sign number two. This is like my favorite Mount Rush or uh, Mixed Plate in a long time. Um,
0: Wow. I thought you might have a lot.
1: I'm going with, I'm going with Null. (laughs) Another great guy.
0: Null sucks at places. No, Null's great. Null, Null
1: not a lot of people take Null. It's straight. Um,
0: Null's slogan would just be Null. It's not Metcalf
1: it's not medcalf exactly <laughs> that's the slogan and um At least the lights not on medcalf the lights are always in your favor like so from 75th to about 95th y- y- the lights are always gonna be are mostly going to be green mm-hmm. so so it's a nice cut through there again where we grew up 84th and null so grew up living on null so a little little favoritism yeah, yeah. there but uh it's yeah it's not Medcalf. That's it's a it. big positive. That's
0: it. It's not medcap. And it's, is the only thing you can it's got cruise. Going for.
1: You can cruise. I always and we used to make like I've never seen a cop on Null either doing speed traps.
0: Mm, I don't know if I have. Yeah, but there probably are. But then you get farther south in Null. and again, the only positive is it's it's not medcap. Okay, I think it's pretty hairy out there. Too.
1: Maybe not my best pick. No, but no, that was bad. That was bad. Lots of great roads out there. Uh, um, I left off, um, I like, um, uh, mission road between 83rd and, uh, 95th. Cause there's no lights. Yeah. There's basically nice. one stoplight between on mission between 83rd and college Boulevard. Mm-hmm. Um, Lee um, Boulevard's the same way. Lee only Boulevard's one, nice. only one light.
0: Um, I got, uh, Bannister over by the three and two complex again, mm-hmm. drive by that baseball comics. Nice little view. And Bannister, go as fast as you want. I think
1: the speed limit's like 75. Yeah, it is. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I have Broadway between, northbound Broadway between 31st Street and the Boulevard Mm -hmm. because it's downhill. You can go really fast. You go past like um, the Scout statue and Liberty Memorial um, and the lights are always in your favor.
0: Um, I had Pennsylvania right by Kelly's. Mm-hmm. Beautiful little stretch of road.
1: Tough parking. Yeah. I always parking. try to I always go for street parking right mm-hmm. there. Can never find it. Yeah.
0: Uh and then Shawnee Mission Parkway. I like Shawnee Mission Parkway. It's a good guy. Yeah. Good guy. Get you east to west. You know. Coming from the west, get you right down to the plaza. Although Drop although right
1: there. On during rush hour, Shawnee Mission Parkway between uh Ward Parkway and basically Null yeah. is You want to you want to shoot yourself. The traffic is worse going uphill. That's true. No, I bet that's true because cars get more spaced out Uh because they at lights they let the space get bigger between them. Mm
0: -hmm. I think it's confirmed. That's That's confirmed. True. Uh, But all right, that's all I had on my mixed plate. Uh, So that'll do it for us this. week. Oh, I have Meyer too. Yeah. I love the, old, the is roundabout. It, is, it, is it two lanes? Is it one? It's two. Is it two or one? It's well, two. There is a sign East, that says to merge. Eastbound, it's west.
1: two. Going west, there's literally a sign that okay, says to Okay, I merge. believe that. But eastbound, there is then, no sign, so that means it's two. Yeah, but there's also no line dividing the lanes There's either. a natural uh, uh, crack in, the, in yeah, the pavement.
0: that's just where the pavement cracked. That's no, not no, no. where it's, there's a two, line. Then why wouldn't they just put a line down if it was two? Because it's down.
1: Missouri, they just kind of let things happen. Whatever. Somebody there is just messing with us. It's about that. it's
0: two, and it's uh, definitely one because there is a sign.
1: But also, my theory that all um, lights on Ward Parkway should be roundabouts, other than Seventy Fifth Street, make that happen. Okay, I'll, I'll see because that's it. what I always i I always take Meyer if I'm cutting from east to west it's because to there's find. no lights.
0: Yeah, true, true. All right, Uh, so that'll do it for us this week. Um, Again, you know, we'd love for you to go vote for us for best local podcast in Kansas City Uh, in Kansas City Magazine. You have till June eighteenth, so please tell your friends go vote for us. Um, And uh, what? Anything else? Any other? We got some cooking. We got some. We're keeping these episodes grilling. We're cooking them.
1: They're in the oven. We got some interviews cooking.
0: Yeah, exactly. We got I mean. We're we're salt. Oh yeah, we we got a lot of stoves in the oven right now too. Stoves in the oven. We got a lot of pans in the oven. Okay. Yeah, we're 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 ready. Okay. We're ready for more episodes. We're ready to continue to grow the brand, uh, which is exciting. So be sure to follow us on social media at State Your Line on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, give us five stars. Leave us a review, and we'll see you around Kansas City.